it's Judge John Hodgman here. Oh, where's bailiff Jesse? Oh, that's right. He's on paternity leave. Luckily, we have special guest bailiff uh, Jake Tapper, senior White House correspondent for ABC News. Hello, Jake. Judge Hodgman, let me just say it is, it is, it's a distinct honor and a pleasure to be able to, to be bailiff for you. I'm, I'm sorry that your other bailiff... Uh, isn't available, but I, I'm quite certain that I'll be able to fill his shoes. This is a good operation. We have a lot of benefits here, Judge John Hodgman, the court of Judge John Hodgman. Jesse gets to take up to 10 weeks of paternity leave. I get to take up to 35 weeks of non-podcasting vacation. And I get my choice of senior White House correspondents as guest bailiffs. So it's a pretty good deal for me. And my understanding was that you were looking only network. Right. And you, were, and you didn't want facial hair. But you did want a mail, and that leaves me. That's that, why I'm really pissed because Nora O'Donnell, CBS, and Chuck Todd and Goatee are at NBC. Yeah, I worked. I worked the flowchart, and you were what was left. You volunteered your services, I believe. I think you volunteered your services uh, through through contempt on Twitter or something. It wasn't contempt. It just, you know, to be frank, uh, in this media age, you need to diversify and explore possibilities. And to be quite honest, it didn't look like it would be all that difficult. Yeah, I think you said something along the lines of. Tell me your side of the story, because that's, and then I'll be the judge. That's how we do it here. I saw you. We follow each other on Twitter. We've follow never each other on Twitter. We, we've only spoken for, for the very first time. We've, we've spoken just a few minutes ago, just to make sure that the Skype worked properly. And in my case, it is. In your case, you're talking through uh, uh, a, a, I think, a pillowcase in a <laughs> hotel room somewhere in Minnesota. Is that correct? The, uh, more or less. Okay. And we'll get back to that in a second. So you, and, and so we follow each other on Twitter and you indicated your availability to, to guest bailiff. I, I, I honestly don't recall exactly how, how this wonderful thing came about because we've been working on it for a long time. Do you, what's your, what's your recollection of it? Um, you know, I'm a fan of your work oh, gosh. and I, I follow you on the Twitter and, uh, and, and honored that you follow me and, uh, saw you tweeting about, uh, your, your judging. Yeah. And I, I asked if you needed a bailout. Yes, that's right. And uh, like I said, I was you know, looking for some easy side cash. Right. And then, you, and then you arranged for Jesse Thorne to become pregnant so that he would be out of the picture. And then all of a sudden, you were the only one left. You were the only way we could do the podcast. But, you know, arranging for somebody you don't know to get pregnant, or even somebody you do know, that's, you know, it's, it's not well, as Look, you're the, one, not easy. you're the one who works in Washington, D.C. You know more about this stuff than I do. Yeah, we have ways. I mean, yeah. they're, you know, you see, we're, we're, we're a diabolical group. But you are currently in, in another, you're in another city, in another American city. Where are you now? I am in uh, Minneapolis. Okay. Uh, early, earlier today, I was in Des Moines. Okay. Uh, having, having covered the uh, straw poll in Iowa, the Republican right. straw poll. And, and now I'm in uh, Minnesota. President Obama is going to be here. And, uh, I cover the, the press now, you have to understand that, that this will be podcast sometime in the future, probably uh, when Michelle Bachman is president. So uh, which one was Obama again? Which president was that? It, uh, yeah, the, uh, President Obama, right. uh, our 44th president, not President Bachman, our 45th. Okay. Just so that just to, this is happening, just so when, when people understand this is being recorded in 2011 uh, when, uh, when Obama was still president and... Uh, and Michelle Bachman was not uh, the the dictator. Should we do like? The, should we do a few empire. versions? What's that? Should we do? Should we do a few versions about like President Perry, President Paul, President 
I guess we don't have to do present Valente anymore, but you know, should we do a few just just in case? I'm saying. But it's got to be Bachman, so why? Burn. Did you did you not get? Oh, you don't get the secret world government email uh, uh, chain. I get the Bildenberg one. No, uh, yeah, 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 those guys are full of it. No, you need the secret world government headquartered at Yale University. They're the ones who know. No, oh, I'm sorry. No, I don't get. I'm, I went to Dartmouth, so I apologize. All right, very good. Uh, so, are you prepared to uh, to bail it up? I, I'm I'm going to bail if like I've never bailed before. <laughs> I think I think that will come naturally to you and to me too. Because I don't know what I'm doing now. I have to host the show. Normally, Jesse is here to hold my hand. Thank you very much for being here, Jake. It, it, honestly, if it weren't for you, we couldn't do the show. And uh, and if it weren't for the fact that I've been lazy and, and hiding out in internetless hills, Massachusetts, not doing anything, all the, all of Twitter getting angry at me for not updating the podcast, calling me the, the George R. R. Martin of our time. Thankfully, you're here to get this thing going. So if the complainant and defendant will now unmute themselves... Uh, Bailiff Jake Tapper will take it away. And you should start by saying, welcome to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Oh, yeah, I've got the whole thing here. That's all right. Oh, good. Go for it. Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I'm guest Bailiff Jake Tapper from ABC News. And this week, we will hear the case of Deplane. Elizabeth and Melissa are good friends and enthusiastic travelers who often journey together on planes and in cars across the country. While their traveling styles mesh, for the most part, they are divided on a hot-button issue, the correct way to de-plane once you've arrived at your destination. Elizabeth, who prefers to take the aisle seat, believes that the aisle sitter bears some burden of judgment and may choose to wait a reasonable amount of time before stepping into the aisle without asking permission of his or her seatmates. This includes letting Melissa, on the other hand, frequently a window seater, she believes that people should abide by the row-by-row rule as a general rule. If the aisle sitter wants to let others from a row farther back go ahead, he or she should ask their seatmates if it's okay to let the other travelers go by. In other words, Melissa looking at it more as a group dynamic uh, and Elizabeth, uh, Melissa feeling that way and Elizabeth not feeling that way. Elizabeth feeling like the aisle seater has the right to do what he or she wants to do. One person is wrong. One person is right. And only one person can decide. Please rise as Judge Hodgman enters the courtroom. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Thank you, guest bailiff Jake Tapper, contacting us from the moon via an ABC Skype line circa 1991. Uh, how are you, Jake? I'm, I'm well. You know, this used to be, this, my, my Skype line belonged to Rune Arledge, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you, sh- you shouldn't badmouth it. It's uh, it's got great history. Well, ABC was they were early adopters of Skype. It's true. It's very true. But I am here uh, uh, not to uh, nitpick uh, the bandwidth at the uh, Minnesota Radisson where you are right now. I am here to pass judgment upon these two young women. Uh, will you swear them in, please? Absolutely, sir. Elizabeth and Melissa, please rise and raise your right hands. Do you swear to tell the truth? the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God or whomever? I do. I, I do. Do you swear to abide by Judge Hodgman's ruling regardless of his ambivalence about Hervé Villachez? I do. I do. Thank you, Judge Hodgman. Thank you very much, guest bailiff uh, Jake Tapper of ABC News. I am ambivalent about Hervé Villachez. It's terrible. I have nothing to say about Hervé Villachez. I guess that's why I'm ambivalent. Uh, okay. 
Uh, who is the complainant? I guess it's me. This is Elizabeth. Hi, Elizabeth. I mean, I, 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 how are Rule you? of thumb, if you guess you are the complainant, you are the complainant. <laughs> I submitted our dispute, so okay. I think uh, by default. Okay. And so will, will you state in simple terms what you see as the problem? Yes. Well, I mean, I think we just we have a, a disagreement about how to get off the airplane, and my position is that the person sitting on the aisle can judge the flow of traffic and decide when to step into the aisle and is not required to check with their seatmates before letting someone else go ahead of them. And Melissa, and, and you sit on the aisle, mm -hmm. see Melissa is your traveling partner from time to time? Mm-hmm. And Melissa, you sit, uh, you choose the, the middle seat because you love humanity? No, no, I, I try not to choose the middle seat, but I like the window seat. I just feel like that shouldn't mean, you know, I have to sign off all of my liberties just because I like the window seat. You feel that Elizabeth should hurry up? Well, I don't necessarily feel like Elizabeth should hurry up. I just think that she shouldn't make the decision for me about whether or not I would like to hurry up. I just want her to ask before she lets anybody behind us deplane before we do. What would you like her to say exactly? I would like her to say, these people behind us kind of look like they might need to get off the plane in a hurry. Do you mind if we let them go? And you want her to ask you specifically yes. or anyone that might be, well, you know, any, weird, like, any weird stranger <laughs> that might be sitting there? She, it's, it's beholden upon her to ask that person? Yes, yes. And I would, I would want any weird stranger sitting next to me to ask me if it was okay. Right, but you can't push around any weird stranger. You can only push around your friend Elizabeth. That's that's very true. <laughs> she is the only one you have. Oh, she ever? You, she is the only, oh, well, Elizabeth, is Melissa constantly pushing you around? No, no, I'm I'm joking. All right, she's assertive. <laughs> Elizabeth, you uh, you and Melissa travel around the world together all the time. Is she your personal valet or something? <laughs> no, not no. at all. Is she your major domo? Would that be major doma? Major Doma. She's my pal, I would say. Okay, she's your pal. What age, what age are you people? Uh, I'm 29. I'm sorry, you're, I'm... you're 209? What? <laughs> I'm 29 okay. years old. Okay, okay. You're 29. And I'm, I'm 34. Oh, you're her elder? Uh, well, you know, we, we try to forget that fact when we're just out, you know, traveling the world. But yes, okay. technically I am. So specificity is the soul of narrative. Elizabeth, where was the last trip? you guys took together? Um, the last trip we took together was a road trip across northern Montana. Okay, you could, might, was this on the ground or were you driving a plane? Yes, this, this was a, this was an on the ground car yeah. road trip. Okay, the this, last air travel. Yes, thank you. To, um, please, please, please tell a relevant story if you don't mind. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, the last time we flew on a plane together was we, we went to Massachusetts oh. last spring break. Last spring break? Wait a minute, you're grown women. What spring break are you talking about? We both just completed an MFA program together, so oh, we did boy. have a spring break in the last year. <laughs> a spring break from an MFA program? Sure. <laughs> you know, I haven't been judging people on a regular basis for a while. Do you know why? No, sir. I've been on vacation. My, my, my family and I have a, a vacation home uh, that had belonged to my mom when she was alive, in the in rural internetless hills, Massachusetts. Do you know where I've spent the most of the past couple of weeks though? Oh, I'm sorry, no. In a rental vacation home in Maine, another state. Do you know what that means? No, sir. I took a vacation from my vacation home. 
Ah. Do you know what that is? Loathsome. Do you know what it's similar to? Spring break from your MFA program. What are you getting an MFA in? If you say creative writing, I'm going to scream. And we shan't say it. What, what, are, you getting your, what, are, you, what are you getting your MFA in? In creative writing. <laughs> Where are you getting this MFA? We, we got it at uh, the, the University. University of Montana. Oh, at the University of Montana. <laughs> and for spring break, you went to Massachusetts? You are some wild kids. I'm trying to imagine what a spring break for a, for MFA program is. is that, yeah. Do they have like a wet sweater contest? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a it's a it's a it's a damp cardigan contest at Emily Dickinson's home in Amherst, Massachusetts. <laughs> actually, it was Nathaniel Hawthorne. We did. Is where we, really? We actually, where we traveled. Yeah. So you went to. Was, was that in Salem? Uh, yeah, we pretended we were working at the custom house, and we looked out at the ocean from there. Wow, because seriously, seriously, nothing says nothing says vacation like some good old fashioned scrimshaw. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Okay, so you wild kids mm. took the seventy five flights required to travel from Montana to Boston. Which is, yes. Was there a direct flight or where did you fly through? I'm just curious. No, 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 no. We had to fly through Denver. Oh, so you went through the Denver. Did you get a chance to look at the crazy airport there? Well, we, yeah, our, our regional, <laughs> it's kind of a regional flight. I think we end up in kind of the bus terminal area of the Denver airport. So we don't necessarily oh, okay. see all that it has to offer. There are, there are a lot of conspiracy theories. You know about this, right, Jake Tapper? The I, cons- I don't know the conspiracy. The conspiracy theory surrounding the Denver International Airport? No. Um, I'm afraid I don't. Uh, will you please, will you please enlighten me? This is why I'm here. This is, this is, it's not for the salary. It's for the wisdom. There, if you go to the Denver International Airport, there is a uh, a capstone uh, that was put there during its dedication ceremony um, with a with a Masonic symbol on it. The capstone is dedicated by the New World Airport Commission, and uh, sometime in the '90s, and then there's a Masonic symbol. And no one knows what the New World Airport Commission is. And that uh, term, New World plus Masonic symbol, has led a lot of people who are concerned about uh, a Masonic conspiracy to impose a one-world government over the United States. Uh, leads a lot of people to suspect that uh, the Denver International Airport is just is but the foothold of, I think, a... Uh, a uh, secret installation buried underneath the Denver International Airport, from which uh, world takeover will begin. You did, you're not aware of this? No, but I smell an Emmy. <laughs> Lady, ladies, were you aware of this? No, but I've never had a smooth landing into that airport. So yeah, surprise. Right, because 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 of the secret Masonic winds. Exactly. All right. I'm sorry. I did not mean to go off into that rat hole. I just get excited when I hear about layovers in Denver. Okay, so from Denver to Boston, Elizabeth, you were in the aisle seat? Um, yes, I'm trying to remember if on that flight we were in the same row throughout it, but I, I would have been in an aisle seat. Give me an example of one situation, Melissa, where you mm-hmm. felt Elizabeth just was not moving fast enough. Well, on the first leg of that flight from Missoula, Montana to Denver, it got to be a really, really 
difficult landing. There was a blizzard. It was really, really awful. And we finally landed and I was in the window seat. She was in the aisle seat, but I was very eager to get off. I wasn't going to rush in front of anyone else, but I was just ready to get off. And Elizabeth is very kind and always looks behind our row to see if there's people with multiple carry-ons or just people who seem antsy in any way. And she always just tells them like, okay, just you, you can go ahead. And I just feel like sometimes I want to be the one who, who gets to go ahead. You want to come first in Elizabeth's heart and and deplaning strategy. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Deplaning strategy first, heart as well. Elizabeth, why are you looking down the aisle? when you clearly have a friend directly behind I mean, you in distress. I suppose, I mean, I, if, may I offer a counter um, example from that same flight that shows sure. that I do put Melissa first in my, in my heart and mind, which is that it, it was a very rough landing, and I, I think I did a pretty good job as maybe I wasn't as, as nervous as Melissa, and I kept her engaged in a, in a conversation to take her mind off the fact that, that the, the landing was a bit scary. That's so true. I thought that was very thoughtful. And your argument is you spoke no, to I your mean, friend. <laughs> that's, well, just a, that's just you a. Had a well, you had a conversation with your friend. Well, Elizabeth, wait, wait, wait. Very. Order, I have order. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. I palmed my desk so hard that my microphone fell down. Now I have to lift it up again. Do you need me to remove anybody? <laughs> no, thank you, Jake. Uh, but but I but no I appreciate that. If you if you would if you would call down to room service though and get me a, a diet coke and a Caesar salad I'd like that very much. Mimosa. You know the book tour special. Now Elizabeth, uh, w- when you're when you're deplaning, and you're in the aisle seat, you look down the aisle. What do you look to see there before you determine whether or not it's safe for you to proceed? Um, well, I mean, I, I do the usual stand up and look around the plane or don't stand up, wait and see if there's room to stand. And I'm not intentionally looking for who I will allow to go in front of me. I'm just kind of checking out the situation. It, what, what would cause you to pause back there? Is it true that you will pause for people who have multiple carry-ons? I would say I would, I would be more likely to pause for someone who is up in the aisle and clearly has no carry-ons. Um, and this is assuming that, that we've started actually moving off of the plane. This isn't like the standing around portion waiting for the doors to open. So if someone was standing, you know, next to my seat or a little behind it with nothing in their hands ready to go, and I maybe need to grab a bag from the overhead compartment, I would let that person go on in front. Okay. You understand that people have multiple carry-ons. Those people are monsters because they should be checking their bags. I would agree. Okay. Unless they're going to miss, unless they're going to miss a connecting flight. Yeah, if they're in a big rush because they need to catch a flight, or if they have a, a, a child who has to get off the plane right that second, well, and they're there, I'm not waiting for that's a diff- that's a different cir- that's a different circumstance. <laughs> I mean, but it sounds to me like the first thing that you went to was maybe it's someone who has extra carry-ons, maybe it's someone who has no carry-ons, maybe there's just someone who deserves to get off the plane before me. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't think of it in those terms, but I see how that might be the interpretation. Melissa, mm-hmm. why don't you sit in an aisle seat so you can do whatever you want? Well, I like to look out the window and see the view. Yeah, and but you know what? You make choices in life. You want to have control over everyone around you? That's the aisle <laughs> seat. You want, to be at, you want to be at the mercy of, of strangers and caught and trapped forever and have a pretty view? That's the window seat. The airline offers you these choices for a reason. What kind of person do you want to be? Do you want to control your life or do you want to be at the mercy of your friend? 
That's what, that's what that choice means. Why can't you take responsibility for that choice? Well, I, I guess I would say that I still want to be able to enjoy the flight, you know, especially on these really regional flights we've had to take in and out of Montana. They fly really low and you have a nice view the whole time. But if I could I respond to an earlier point um, that Elizabeth made about people who maybe just have to get off the plane soonest? Okay. I have been on flights where the flight attendant makes an announcement and says like these specific people need to leave the plane first because they have a really quick connection or something else is going on. And I feel like we all can kind of rest easy knowing that there's someone in charge of these situations and that person is the one who has the responsibility and authority to determine who gets off the plane first and nobody else needs to worry about it. Correct. So you're saying in the absence in the absence of a clear dictatorship by flight attendant, Elizabeth should just make a run for it, regardless of what she wants to do in order to accommodate you better. Well, no. Okay. First of all, I think we're- Let me ask you this. In the absence, in the absence of clear authority <laughs> instructing you otherwise, why don't you just scramble over the middle person and Elizabeth like an animal? Because I'm not unruly and I don't want to add to the chaos. I just want to be asked. I'm not even saying that I insist on deplaning first. I just want to be asked. That's all I'm saying. I see. Elizabeth, why is that unreasonable? Um, and I, I don't know. I think if you really need to get off the plane fast, it's your responsibility to speak. Well, no up. one's gonna no one's gonna ask you no one's gonna in no in no court in the land would <laughs> condemn you to the fate of having to ask perfect strangers every time if it's okay if you wait a second before you get out the aisle. This really just is gonna come down to you and Melissa and whether or not it is reasonable between friends for Melissa to attempt to compel you to ask her permission before you give courtesy to someone else. Because beyond that, I mean, forget it. Well, I guess I guess I don't I don't think it's outrageously unreasonable, but I also don't really think it's necessary under the assumption that we're kind of all on this airplane together and we can have patience for our fellow travelers. And you don't think you don't th you think you don't think it's unreasonable? Is it, I'm sorry. Is this podcast called Judge Elizabeth Isle Sitter Wait Around? <laughs> I'll decide that. No, I'm sorry. I didn't mean yeah, to I argue think, with you. I thought you wanted me to. No, no, no. You're trying to tell me my opinion. I'm forming my opinion. I'm going to go into chambers. Hey, uh, Bailiff Jake, is my mimosa ready? Absolutely, sir. Uh, Melissa and Elizabeth, please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. Please be respectful. I think I'm just going to go over here into the into the stairwell here at the Minnesota Radisson and drink this mimosa. While he's doing this, uh, Elizabeth and Melissa, if you don't mind, I wouldn't mind asking you a few questions. Uh, Elizabeth, he seemed to be coming down pretty hard on a, on a godlike complex that he was suggesting you have. Do you feel like he was a little tough on you in, in that regard? That you, your your need to control everything for your comparison of yourself with a pilot in an airplane? Well, I mean, I don't, I didn't, I didn't take any offense. I don't think he came down too hard. I think he's just doing his job. And that's that's the appropriate response. And, and Melissa, I have to say, mm -hmm. I mean. I never thought of it that way before, but but the, the judge is wise, and he, you know he, he to put it in perspective. You do you do make choices in life, and you choose to have a better view than your friend, and then you know it, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Wait 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 wait. When did this become Judge Jay Tapper? <laughs> I would instruct the bailiff to keep his opinions to himself as well. I'm back. I'm mimosa. I'm ready to judge. 
Please rise as Judge John Hodgman re-enters the courtroom. Get him up, Jake. I think that Melissa raises a good point, which is when an inflation comes on and says there is a close connection, and would you please be considerate enough to let certain people leave the plane first, it reiterates the fact that every airplane is a lawless anarchy that is held together by only the merest sheen of civility. Everyone hates each other. It is uh, an impossibly close uh, quarters, and um, everyone's working very, very hard to get along. And in that lawless environment, basically you have to make up the law uh, every time based uh, on a very fluid set of circumstances. And you need to judge uh, the, the comfort level of the people uh, around you, particularly when you've landed, you have to really become aware of the comfort level of the people uh, that you've been sharing uh, air and very limited space and probably farts with for previous two hours. Everyone's mad and they want out. And getting out is really kind of a, an amazing testament to humans' ability to create order where everyone wants chaos. In this case, I appreciate the mad panic that Melissa feels to get out of the human fart capsule that she has been in for so long, and the anger that she feels at her friend Elizabeth for showing courtesy to others in the plane who perhaps do not even have MFAs in creative writing. But the reality is that Elizabeth has chosen a seat that confers upon her the authority that is otherwise missing. It is the authority of force, basically. It is authority of might makes right. She blocks the passage. It is her decision as to when to move. The point I'm trying to make is that unfortunately, Melissa, when you choose that seat, mm -hmm. you choose to submit to the authority of whatever crazy person is sitting in the aisle, not to mention the lunatic who is stuck in the middle. That person wants to murder you both. <laughs> You're lucky that you have a friend in the aisle. And yes, it would be nice if Elizabeth turned to you and gave you an update on the evacuation process. And you know what, Elizabeth? Maybe you should do that from time to time, if only to shut your friend up. But she made the choice that we were all given. Aisle seat allows you power, but no view. Window seat allows you view, but no power. And I also would argue, no view. Therefore, I find in the uh, favor of the complainant, who is probably the least complainy complainant we've ever had to deal with here, uh, Elizabeth, the aisle sitter, and I sentence uh, Melissa, the window sitter, to get an aisle seat. <laughs> Maybe across the aisle from her friend. This is the sound of a gavel. Judge Shen Hodgman rules that is all. Melissa, this must be disappointing. Well, it is disappointing to me. I think Judge Hodgman makes some good points. I, I think it will be hard for me to make sure that I get an aisle seat, but I do like his view that Elizabeth is kind of my, uh, my alley on the aisle. So I think I'll just try to see the situation that way going forward. Okay. Elizabeth, what do you, how do you feel about my ruling, Elizabeth? Pretty good, right? I, I don't want to hold it over Melissa's head at all. I feel no, that it was because a fair you're, decision. You know what? Because you're nice. That's your problem. <laughs> so I know you don't. I know you don't want to gloat. When that thing goes, I am satisfied. Let me let me give you some advice. When that thing goes boom, 
stand up and get the hell out of the plane. I do my best. I'll I tell you something. I'm a- I think Melissa is wrong in this one, but I'm telling you something. Don't look back. <laughs> Don't look down the aisle. You're always going to see some sad sack back there that you're going to want to wait for. Those people are parasites. They, they, they want to destroy you. Thank you very much, guys. I look forward to, uh, to seeing you at the Emily Dickinson, uh, the Emily Dickinson uh, Museum of Isolation in Amherst sometime soon. <laughs> Thank you. Well, we, we have some uh, plane-related disputes uh, from, uh, from various and sundry Americans who need your help. Um, so with your permission, Judge. Oh, yeah. No, I'd like to clear the docket. Jeremiah writes, quote, My wife and I have a dispute that she will not give up. Um, now, just to remind, uh, not you, of course, sir, but, but any listeners. Uh, Captain, any Captain, any Captain. listeners. Any possible... <laughs> Any possible <laughs> lost soul who's listening to this. Right. If anybody's made it this deep, um, just to remind people who Captain Sully Sullenberger is, uh, he's the one who saved the lives of 150 people when he successfully landed a commercial plane on the Hudson River when its engines were disabled, by, I believe, uh, after it flew into a flock of birds of some sort. So, in any case, Jeremiah's wife argues that Sully Sullenberg is not a hero because he did not risk his own life to save the lives of his passengers and crew, but rather was simply performing his job. Jeremiah argues that anyone who saves the lives of people, regardless that he was in the process of saving his own life, is still a hero. This fight has gone on for the full two years since Sully saved all those people, heroically or not. Jeremiah's wife is incorrect. Chesley Sully Sullenberger is a hero, every time he does his job, whether or not he makes an emergency landing on the Hudson River. That guy takes people's lives into his hands every day and delivers them safely to their loved ones. The guy puts a thing that should not be able to fly into the air and flies it safely and lands it. And then on top of that, made split-second decisions after creaming a goose with his jet engine that many other pilots might not have been quick enough to make in order to save everybody's lives. It is true that he saved his own life, but really, he could he could save his own life every day by quitting and managing a rental car fleet. <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, but I think it's pretty heroic by any definition, except the definition of uh, American Geese Council. They think he's a monster. Do we have any other animal-related? There is. This is an email with a clarification, not a question, from Lucy B. I believe this is a reference to the case that you had with two gentlemen, um, one of whose father kept saying the word cow. Cow. Uh, right. uh, cow. I, yeah, that, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I assume that's what this is about. And she says, um, as a former Star Chapter farmer in my FFA, Future Farmers of America chapter. That's uh, feel, FFA, by the way, for people who don't know, is Fist Fighters of America. I feel compelled to tell you that the term cows should only be used to refer to a group of female bovines who have produced a calf. The proper term for a group of mixed-sex bovines is cattle. If a bovine is male, it is either a bull or a steer, depending on the presence of the animal's testicles. Steers are castrated males, as you know. Also, contrary to the ideas expressed in the podcast, most cows do live a long, healthy life as long as they can produce calves. 
Bulls also live a long, healthy life as long as they keep breeding the cows. Steers are frequently cut down in their prime, but they are allowed to indulge in an intense regimen of fattening before they die. Interesting terminology there as an aside, allowed to be done. Yeah, they're, they're given the present of all the corn they can eat until they are shot in the head with a bolt. Uh, finally, cows do not produce eggs for human consumption. Indeed, eggs cannot be classified as dairy products. Uh, as a current lawyer, let me say that I enjoy your podcast very much. You certainly have a talent for handing down well-rendered, thoughtful judgments. Well, well flattery will get you everywhere, uh, especially if it is administered over Skype. There's one thing I can't stand. It is a bovine know-it-all. Yes, I know cows are female cattle. And I know what a bull is, and I know what a steer is. And I especially know that cows do not give eggs. You see, what happened there, Bailiff Jake, was that uh, was that the, the gentleman in question, the, the person who, who loves, I guess it would be fair to say, cattle. Not just cows, but the, but the, but the father who... Uh, takes a, a kind of Buddhist pleasure in saying the word cow over cow. and over again was probably referring to bulls and uh, and cows and steer and all the all the bovinids I guess you would say in that class although he 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 was specifically talking about how cows gave us milk right and that would and be he did a cow. dress up and he dressed up as a cow right yeah he had others. And he did, he did suggest that cows gave us milk, so that would be a cow for sure. But he also suggested that cows gave us eggs, and I think he just misspoke. And I neglected to catch him on it and dress down this poor old, probably uh, insane man <laughs> to the satisfaction of many of the podcast listeners, such that I've been getting tweets aplenty about how, oh, you really messed up this time, Judge John Hodgman by not getting angry at that old man for saying that cows give us eggs. And then, you know, a whole other raft of Twitterers saying, but they do give us eggs, just not eggs we can eat because all mammals have eggs in their ovaries. I'm like, oh, Twitter, shut up. <laughs> the, well, point, the point I'm trying to make is, I missed it. I am not. Please don't George R.R. Martin me about it and peck me to death with your, twi- with your tweets. I'm sorry that I did not get angry at this old man to your satisfaction. Meanwhile, Lucy B, I take it under extreme advisement. I will not refer to the overall group of cattle as cows again in the future. I will refer to them as cattle. But I do have to ask you, you say the term cows should only be used to refer to a group of female bovines who have produced a calf. I think you mean who have individually each produced a calf, not a group of female bovines who together have produced a calf, because I do not think it takes a village to raise a calf. Is there a term, Lucy B, if you're so smart animal husbandry know it all, for a female bovine who has not yet produced a calf? Because that isn't covered in your little screed here, and I'd like to know it because I'm curious. I'm not very upset. Cow. Cow. Oh, Bailiff Jake, thank you so much for filling in today for Bailiff Jesse, whom we must uh, share, I presume you share with me, the excitement and overjoyment of him giving birth to a young uh, Bailiff's son. Jesse and Judge, thank you so much for this week. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is a production of MaximumFun.org. Special thanks goes out to all the folks who donate to support this show and all the shows at MaximumFun.org slash donate. This show was produced by Julia Smith and edited by Matt Gorley. Matt's own comedy podcast is Super Ego, which you can find in iTunes or online at GoSuperEgo.com. 
You can find John Hodgman online at areasofmyexpertise.com. I've been your guest bailiff, Jake Tapper, Senior White House Correspondent for ABC News. If you have a case for Judge John Hodgman, email us and be sure to include your phone number. The email is hodgman at maximumfund.org. You can also join us to discuss this case on our forums at maximumfund.org forum. Thanks for listening.